I must think most of your listeners would agree that it's an image issue. Manufacturing nationwide, maybe globally, has an image issue. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, hey, it's episode 98. Today, we're talking about the state of manufacturing, Nebraska, the Midwest, and beyond. Before we get into it, I'm going to start with a quick story. Recently, I had an opportunity to attend an extremely unique manufacturing event in Columbus, Nebraska. If you don't know where Columbus, Nebraska is, that's okay. I didn't either. But honestly, that's the point. Columbus is a small town about an hour and 15 minutes from Lincoln, the state's capital, and it's the exact type of spot where manufacturing events should be taking place. Communities like this across the Great Plains, the Midwest, and the United States in general are where manufacturing and manufacturing jobs can change people's lives. This event was called Manufacturing Nebraska's Future, and it was all about showcasing the trends, opportunities, and technologies in manufacturing, not just to executives and leaders in the Nebraska manufacturing scene. Don't get me wrong, those folks were there, and the speakers at this event definitely stressed the importance of automation and building up a skilled manufacturing workforce in the state. But on top of that, this event showcased manufacturing to the community. It was held at Central Community College, where everyone from students to folks that worked at the local manufacturing companies or across the state, all of them were present. You know, I got to say, shout out to the local team from CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors, for pulling off such an incredible event. You know, they made it their goal to show why now is a critical time for Nebraska to continue to develop its manufacturing prowess. And they brought the right folks in the community not only to drive awareness, but action as well. Which brings us to today's interview. Now, I was lucky enough to be invited to be part of this event. I gave a keynote there in the morning, but in the afternoon as the event wrapped up, we got to do a special live episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour featuring two leaders from the state of Nebraska, Scott Volk, COO of MetalQuest Unlimited, and Mike Johnson, COO at the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce and Industry. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation, but here are three things you can expect from this episode. First, we talk about the state of Nebraska and what they're doing to change the perception that they're just an agricultural state. This is where we spend the bulk of the conversation. We talk about the state's challenges, opportunities, and the role of their Chamber of Commerce and how private sector companies like Scott's can get involved. The second thing is that while we're talking about Nebraska, a lot of lessons are transferable to other states, and we make a point of bringing that up in discussion as well. Finally, I should make mention that both Mike and I are former Anheuser-Busch employees, so of course we talk a little bit about beer at the very end. If you want to access any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode, make sure to go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 98. And if you enjoy this episode or if you're enjoying everything you're hearing on Manufacturing Happy Hour, well, hey, give us a five-star review over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to leave a review over there on Apple Podcasts as well, certainly helps us out. And with that, this has been a long intro. So anytime we do that, I got to say, hey, Let's dive in. It's time to meet up with Scott and Mike for our special live episode. 
Hey, 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 check, check. Can you guys hear me okay? Check. Can everyone out there hear us okay? All right, we're getting thumbs up. Feel free to keep your conversations rolling. Let's go blues. Did you guys hear that? Let's go blues? Let's go blues. Let's go blues. That's how we should start every podcast. So, all right, well... Thank you for joining us all here. Thank you for, you know, hey, let's give a round of applause for everyone involved in today's Manufacturing Nebraska's Future event before we get rolling. Excellent job from everyone all around. And we're going to try to end the day with some constructive yet, let's say, light conversation. Really, you can think of the premise of this podcast as how to have a conversation with someone over a drink about manufacturing in Nebraska. Scott, Mike, would you say that's fair? That sounds great. All right. Well, to introduce our guests, I know many of you here are familiar with them, but for those of you either listening to the podcast later, just getting to know us for the first time, I'm joined by two champions of Nebraska manufacturing, Scott Volk, VP and COO at Metal Quest Unlimited, and COO and VP of Manufacturing for the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce, uh, Mike Johnson. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for being here, Chris. So the only way to this is actually the most proper manufacturing happy hour we can have. So let's cheers it up as we cheers. get going. Right cheers, on. welcome. Mm. And you know, I I gave you guys each a brief intro, but for those getting to know, if there's anything you'd like to add, I'd like to open the floor to you as as we get this event rolling. So uh, Scott, maybe we'll start with you. So Metal Quest Limited is a contract manufacturer. We've been in business for 26 years now. We're in a small rural town in Nebraska, and so. Trying to think outside the box, be creative to stay in business has been kind of at the forefront for us for a very long time. I've been with the business now is 20 years last week. So um, started in 2002 and it's hard to get people everywhere and it's really hard to get people in rural Nebraska. So from the onset, we've been looking at what we can do different than other people to try to stay on the cutting edge. So we started adopting, uh, started doing systems integration and some light automation and data analytics as early as like 2003. Um, got into robots, I think around 2011, 2012, and it just kind of took off from there. Company, we have two locations. We have a location in Idaho and a location in Hebron, Nebraska. We have 75 total employees. Um, we have 65 employees in Hebron, and in Hebron location, we have 16 robots. So for a company our size, that's pretty unique to have that many robots spinning around doing things every day. Yeah. No, appreciate the background. Mike, how about yourself? Yeah, I, uh, I, let's see, I've been working at the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce full-time since January 1st of this year, so uh, relatively new. I'm, what am I, in my fifth month now, something like that, and uh, prior to this experience, I spent 16 years of my career with Anheuser-Busch. I was on their brewing team um, in multiple locations, uh, part of leadership, part of uh, technical support, and, uh, yeah, and just just uh, started here at the Chamber full-time January 1st of this year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to ask about that. Maybe that'll be our first question as we get, get to know both of you. So, Mike, this first one's for you. You know, What was it like making the switch from brewing to what you're doing now at the Chamber of Commerce? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, it's, it's very different and it's very similar, right? Um, I could spend some amount of time longer than anyone's attention span talking about brewing beer. So I'm going to have to try to throttle myself a little bit. Um, I, I had a dream job. I loved it. I was assistant brewmaster of the St. Louis brewery in St. Louis. It was just a, it was an awesome, awesome gig. 
and uh, met my wife, uh, who also has a great career, and we had one of those difficult questions to solve when she was given a great, really great opportunity in Nebraska. Um, so we ended up uh, we ended up making a just totally crazy decision, and I left the brewing industry uh, to support my wife's career, and uh, ended up actually staying on working remotely for Anheuser-Busch uh, from Nebraska. Um, but we had a baby, uh, you know, just seemed like I should spend more of my time closer to home. And, uh, I got introduced to the chamber of commerce and, uh, I just, I like to surround myself with the things that's, that's the same is I, I'm going to surround myself with great people. And I had a chance to meet people like Scott, uh, and others who are members of the chamber organization that are just driven by this crazy passion for manufacturing in Nebraska and I just, I bought in and I thought, this sounds awesome. I want to be a part of this. There's nothing but, but upside to manufacturing in Nebraska. And I really felt like I could be part of something awesome. So, uh, it was, you know, I'll talk about beer all day if you'll let me. Um, we'll, we'll save it for the end. We'll yeah, we'll save it for after the, <laughs> yeah. after you <laughs> stop recording, I guess. But, uh, you know, at the chamber, we support manufacturing, we support all of our members, but um, it really felt like the place that was going to pull all of the stakeholders together to really lead in in making Nebraska the future of manufacturing. And so to me, it seemed like a unique opportunity to work with great people like Scott and others uh, who are carrying this ball of manufacturing in our state. Uh, and it just seemed like a meaningful, purposeful mission. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's what gets me all fired up. So uh, I, I was all in. So, um, Scott, similar question for you. you. I mean, you have a full-time day job, right? You're right. a leader at Metal Quest. So why did you get involved in the Chamber of Commerce? That probably goes back, actually, to early in my career. I've always had a passion for education, passion for manufacturing. And I, I feel like in order to get things done, you need to lead by example, and so I've always just tried to interject myself into things and feel like I need to lead the charge and trying to get stuff done. If something's not getting done, no one else is going to do it. I'm going to step up and try to get it done. So I've just kind of slowly over my career, I've been doing this now for 26 years, um, have just started to work myself into different areas and asking the right questions to the right people on how I can get involved in different things. Um, one of the things I was fortunate enough to do, uh, Balin, which is here in Columbus, is led by T.R. Raimondo, and he has been known forever to be like one of the pinnacle people in manufacturing in the state. And um, he got to know me in the late 90s and kind of encouraged me to move on with what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so that got uh, that got me really excited about getting more involved with manufacturing. So um, I've been an advisor for different school programs and different things at the state and just trying to be a champion for manufacturing. And that led to about three years ago now, the chamber approached me. I was at a manufacturing day and mm-hmm. they said, you know, we're trying to do stuff to try to pull some manufacturers together. And I've been in a lot of conversations I had been in saying the same thing that we, we need to work together more. And it did seem like I was going to meeting after meeting after meeting, seeing the same faces. We were talking about the same things but nothing was happening because we just were talking. And it was group A, group B, group C, but we're all talking about the same things. Like, this is ridiculous. We need to work together. Nebraska is known as an ag state, but 
manufacturing is the largest GDP driver in the state. And it's like, it's time for manufacturers to start acting like we are actually something special in the state. We don't have to be something unique and special and treated any different than anybody else, but we should at least be treated like we're one of the primary drivers in the state. And so that led the chamber to reaching out to me saying we're trying to form this manufacturing alliance with a few other groups. And so I started getting really involved in that. And through a series of conversations, that slowly evolved into what we have today, which is a manufacturing alliance, which is a combination of five different manufacturing groups in the state that are now fully aligned and working together to elevate manufacturing in the state of Nebraska. So you might have answered a little bit of my next question a little bit, but we're having beers, and this is a very having beers with someone conversation. So, <laughs> you know, what happens when, when you're at a bar and someone says, yeah, but Nebraska's an agriculture state? How do you respond to that? Well, Scott, we'll start with you this okay. time. I get in trouble because I don't – I can't do the, the political answer because um, we're not – we are an ag state, yes. Um, I have a family – I'm part of a family farm. You know, the farm goes to me in a few years. Um, but that doesn't mean that's all we are. We are a manufacturing state. We've been a manufacturing state for a very long time. Um, but – for whatever reason, that's not the political thing to say. And so it's frustrating that we have like our neighbors to the east in Iowa that are also very ag-based, but manufacturing is the largest driver there too, and they actually promote it. So why it's different here in Nebraska. So that's a little bit longer answer probably you're looking for, but I did say that, you know, we are actually a manufacturing state, not an ag state, and I'm not quite sure why that focuses on that. Yeah, what, Mike, what's your answer to that? Can you repeat the thought that we have going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's when you're when you're at a oh, at I'm at a bar, bar and someone, someone says, someone "Why?" Says, hey, it's Thank an you. agriculture state. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I had to place myself in that situation <laughs> again. Uh, you know, it's fun. I mean, we have a football team named after agriculture, right? And it it is a it is a key part of our economy. It is core. And, and the point you know that Scott's making is not that agriculture is unimportant, but when we think about our future and we think about Nebraska getting, um, you know, playing a larger role in the in the economic stage and recruiting more people to our state. What is it, right? What can it be? And manufacturing, meanwhile, in the background, is just sort of sleepily growing year over year, even through the pandemic. Uh, we didn't see a decline in manufacturing output in Nebraska, right? It's still, even through the pandemic, a growing uh, industry sector statewide. Um, it's our growth engine. It's what's going to, you know, everyone we've, we've been talking to today is nodding their heads in agreement. Manufacturing brings great jobs. It improves the lives of people. Um, and we all know this, but we're just sort of sleepily letting it happen on the sidelines. And, you know, Scott's point about the formation of the alliance is really that, you know, we're not taking on ag as a, a bragging rights competition, um, but but the point is really let's illuminate the strength and the benefits of this amazing economy and this amazing industry sector uh, that we're just we're just scratching the surface of. Nebraska's got ton of assets. We have amazing people who work really hard. We participate in in the labor pool. We're in the middle of the country. We have uh, affordable land. We have affordable uh, you know utilities and resources. Um, it's just a powder keg waiting to explode. I think I remember saying that to you, Scott, on the phone months ago. And, and that's really su just the thing when I say that this is such an exciting opportunity for Nebraska and for its businesses is that this is really 
This is this thing can really take off. Right. Well, we're successful despite ourselves because we like you're saying we just kind of move along and we're still being successful, but if we could have the support that other industries have, not taking away that support to other industries like ag, but if we could get elevated to that level, think of the things we could do because despite the lack of support, despite the lack of us trying to be more vocal and saying, here we are, we need people, we need resources, we're still being successful. So what can we do if we actually had those things available to us like other places in the country do? Excellent answers. My, my next question is a little bit of uh, what I would call like Chamber of Commerce 101, right? Okay, sure. You know, I'm sure people here are pretty familiar with it. I imagine there are a lot of listeners, though, that are maybe trying to ask themselves, like, okay, what does a Chamber of Commerce do for manufacturing, right? So yeah. I'll, I'll direct this one at you, and then I'm interested to get your pers- perspective, Scott, as someone that's um, in, you know, running a business in the state and what what uh, Chamber of Commerce does for you. So, Mike, you can kick it off. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I've, I've listened to a number of your episodes, Chris, and... Um, you know, it's all manufacturers. And now I'm kind of the guy who used to be a manufacturer and am now a a chamber of commerce guy. Uh, You know, what we are, the chamber of commerce is it's the coalition of business. And, you know, my role there and our role in the state is we are the place where businesses can go to know that we're going to carry their voice um, when it comes to legislative policymaking, um, when it comes to, you know, lobbying for the sake of business and for the sake of, of economic prosperity and for competitive marketplaces to take place in Nebraska. So if you're a manufacturer, if you're a business listening to the podcast, you know, and, and you're not participating in your, in your state chamber or even your local chamber, um, you know, my point would be get involved, um, even if it's at a small degree to start to just Get yourself more involved in promoting your local industry and promoting um, your state. Uh, so what do we do exactly? You know, it, it, the chamber has a, has a staff, and, and many chambers are operate in different ways. The Nebraska State Chamber actually started over 100 years ago as the Nebraska Manufacturing Association. So it, even the Nebraska State Chamber's roots go all the way back, and I would, I would hazard to guess that most, if not all, st- state chambers of commerce probably originated as state manufacturing associations and then grew organically over time to incorporate other business. Um, so our roots are in manufacturing. We are the, uh, the NAM, uh, liaison. So we serve still as a state association, uh, for manufacturing. Um, you know, we also facilitate events like we had earlier today, Mm -hmm. which, which is, uh, bringing manufacturers and manufacturing support organizations together uh, kind of in the pursuit of making our industry stronger in the state. Just, I'm going to keep going for just a moment. This formation of the alliance, like Scott was saying, it's, it's a coalition of groups who are uh, trying to solve the same problem together. It made sense for that to live within the chamber, within the state manufacturing association. Um, so we are calling that the the manufacturing alliance now and that alliance it's made up of manufacturers and we together i i pull the group and i say group what are the most important things to manufacturers right now what are the things that we need to spend our next 12 months really focused on not focused on every little idea that comes up but what are the things that we need to pour our resources and our attention into. So we, we do that. We prioritize those goals. Uh, we create actions. We, we get things done to completion. And we, 
we refresh again the next year. It starts to look a lot like a number of your listeners probably having one-year <laughs> business plans. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to sound a lot like that. And, you know, my point is that these priorities, they're from manufacturers. That's where we get these priorities. The problems are solved by manufacturers uh, and and our our coalition partners at community colleges and other support organizations as well. Um, but it's become the place where the collective voice of manufacturing can come together and actually get things done. And that's been, you know, why did I take the job? That's it. Like, this is really uh, the critical mass of getting things done, and that's, that's what got me excited. That's really what the Chamber, um, as a manufacturing organization, brings to business. And, and Scott, I'd like to get your perspectives on this because you work at Metal Quest, right? You lead Metal Quest. You know, how has the Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, helped your business directly, indirectly, macro, micro level? I'll let you take whatever path you want with sure. this one. Well, interestingly, there was a point when I worked at Metal Quest and before I questioned why do anything with the Chamber. You know, I, they're not doing anything for me. Why do I do anything for them? And I was obviously very wrong. You know, what I've grown to realize that the chamber is the engine to get things done is just the simplest way of putting it you know the ability to coordinate and get the right people together networking having events that the power in that is it's it's phenomenal so um if you're just content doing your own little thing every day and i think you can be successful that way which i would question if you could you probably don't need the chamber, but if you feel like you want to start to work with other people and learn more things and uh, interact with the state agencies and the legislature, the chamber is the place to do that. I mean, it allows you to do that. You want to put the extra effort in. They have all of the resources in place, all the personnel in place, and they're there at your disposal. So we've been able to do so much in the last, you know, especially since Mike's been on board, but in the last year or so with the Alliance now, things that we've talked about for years in meetings that these different manufacturing groups, we're seeing this starting to evolve now. I mean, we're finally getting to the point where this is, I, I can see that we're headed somewhere and we're going to be successful. You know, events like today to have over 200 people at a manufacturing event is huge. You know, there's been manufacturing events in the state, at least in my time that I've been in, I've never been in a manufacturing event in Nebraska, Nebraska that's been this large. So I think that is proof that what the chamber's doing, what the alliance is doing, is is working and going somewhere. It was really cool to be a part of the event today as someone that, you know, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Nebraska before, so really cool being a part of that, seeing the amount of people that came out, the high caliber of people that came out as well. You know, one, one question I've got is, uh, as, as I'm thinking about this more, I, I, I was going to ask you, hey, what's the biggest challenge you're dealing with right now? But I think we kind of know that's workforce already. Right. Is there maybe like a nuance to that, like that, that you'd share as well. We know workforce is a challenge, but maybe we go a little deeper than that. My opinion, I guess the nuance of that is the elephant in the room, well, and it's not really an elephant in the room because a lot of people talk about it, but we don't have the people. So workforce is an issue, obviously, and that's because we don't have the people, but we're not, we're Nebraska. We're going to get people. We want to recruit people. We're not going to have 50,000 or 100,000 people moving to Nebraska in the next couple of years. It's not going to happen. So how are we going to address the workforce problem when we have this other problem? So that comes into the next part of what we're doing with the Alliance, which is what we had today, is we have one of, one of the groups in the Alliance is a tech committee, and we're focused on trying to elevate the, the tech 
side of manufacturing, you know, trying smart manufacturing, industry 4.0, however you want to spin it. We're trying to get people more interested in that. So the people that are don't know anything about it, we're trying to get them comfortable with it. People that know about it but don't know what to do, we're trying to get them comfortable with moving forward. And the people that have been doing stuff, we're trying to get them to the next level. You know, so it's just this education because at the end of the day, if we don't automate and adopt more smart manufacturing processes, we are going to start going backwards. We're going to start losing industries. You know, there's a lot of industry in manufacturing industry in the state that is either nationwide or worldwide. Mm -hmm. If we're not productive in Nebraska, they're just going to move the plant. We have to start doing things differently here to stay viable and continue to grow our businesses in a state where we aren't going to see a lot of population growth for a while. I would love to see that happening, but to just be realistic, it's not going to be there. And if we avoid that conversation, we're never going to fix the problem. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> that question is a great question, and it, it's not native to Nebraska, right? The workforce issue is nationwide. Uh, it's something that every one of these podcast listeners is dealing with, and um, it's multifaceted. I think you know if we if we put the lens on manufacturing itself, some of the conversations we've had earlier today you know, focus on manufacturing isn't sexy, right? You're a senior in high school and you're going to, you know, brag to your friends about um, going into manufacturing. What does that mean? What does it look like when you say that? And we know that that's not true. We know that you can have an amazing career and a comfortable life working in manufacturing and you can have a great job that isn't, uh, you know, shoveling junk off the floor or, you know, working in the dirty, dangerous, dungeonous place that, that we sort of think of, um, unfortunately think of first when we hear the word manufacturing. So part of it is, I must think most of your listeners would agree that it's an image issue. Manufacturing nationwide, maybe globally, has an image issue. And, and I think that some of the stuff Scott's talking about, you know, one of our rally cries for the, the team that we're leading within the Manufacturing Alliance, the, the Industry 4.0 team, is that the cavalry is not coming, right? Uh, so we have, to, we have to automate our way through some of this productivity uh, workforce issue. And we've got some great examples of companies that have done that. Um, it's not in the elimination of positions. It's actually in the elevation of work for the people who work in these uh, facilities. Just amazing stuff. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I just think that, that it's a couple things. One, it's an image issue. Uh, two, <laughs> I'm going to quote Warren Buffett. I'm not a Nebraskan, right, originally. I, if I feel like <laughs> I, I'm clicheing myself by quoting Warren Buffett. But he was interviewed once and made the comment that with as pro productive as the United States has been without engaging the female workforce, imagine how powerful the U.S. economy will be when the female workforce fully is fully implemented uh, you know, you, you were even talking through, Chris, some of the stats today about um, the low participation rates. I think it was 29% of women in the manufacturing workforce nationwide. Um, these are just, and, and it was 95% of skilled labor uh, is male. Yep. It, there's just a ton of opportunity for diversity to take on, to fill some of these workforce gaps that we're seeing right now. I think if you, if you think of the manufacturing worker you're thinking of a white man in a uniform, and it doesn't have to be that way. 
Uh, and I would bet that the surrounding area that you're picturing when you picture the white man in the uniform is probably not representative of what the real world is. The real world, if you go to Scott's business in Hebron, Nebraska, uh, it is clean, efficient, safe. Uh, I feel smarter when I walk into his operating room. It's amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> nice work, Scott. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just what's happening in manufacturing now and what's going to happen in manufacturing in the next 10 years is is a quick way to a comfortable life for anyone who's willing to work in that industry. I think as an industry, we just need to fix the image issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually we've talked a lot about, you know, tangible things you're doing with the chamber of commerce, things you've done to get involved in the chamber of commerce, Scott, you know, one thing I want to ask is what, what are some actions other people can do in this ecosystem to make an impact? Um, Scott, I'll start with you on this one. <laughs> I could tell you were both thinking about it. And it's like, I need to direct it yeah. somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm thinking out loud then. Honestly, I people need to get involved. Uh, I guess that's kind of a vague answer, but it just seems like we don't have enough people that are coming to the table and talking about the solutions and, and working on or, you know, talking about the problems and figuring out the solutions. Um and we have a lot of really great things going on, and there's a core group of people that are doing some things to move things forward, but we just don't have enough of them. And one of the differences I think that people really need to start thinking through is that we need to stop being in silos. We have to start working together. If we don't work together, we're never going to solve this problem. And I realize that that is a very disruptive thing to say for a lot of people, but we have to start being more open and receptive to working with each other. I just had a gentleman talk to me about that this afternoon because that's something we've always done. We're very open. We like sharing ideas. That's how I learn. I love giving tours because every time I give a tour, I learn something because somebody asked me a question about something I hadn't thought about yet. I'm always going to get something out of that. I don't have to share 100% of what we're doing, but I can share 90% of what we're doing because I know how hard it was to get there. If you can figure that out, awesome. Now I'm going to come to your facility and I'm going to learn from you. So I think it's really just more that networking and getting involved. That's what it's going to take. You know, everything else, I mean, we could talk about all the little things they could be doing, but at the end of the day, if people are working together more, everything else kind of follows in, in my opinion. I, I do want to touch on one thing though, that I, a little more in the weeds that Mike was just talking about with females. You know, that is such an untapped resource you know, I had a gentleman one time ask me, say, why are you trying to attract females? They're 50% of the workforce. They can do the same things or better than <laughs> yeah. everybody else can. Why don't we attract them? Metal Quest has over 20% of our workforce is female, which I something I think is awesome. And that's I've been trying to encourage our team to work on ways that we can even elevate that even more because it's such an untapped resource for us. So there's little things like that. I mean, if just it's getting rid of the old stereotypes and thinking outside the box and thinking of new ways to do things. If more people did that, I think we'd be in a lot better shape than we are right now. Awesome advice. Mike, what would you add? Wow. I, you, I can just go a thousand different directions with, with this whole thing. Um, gosh, come on, Mike, I gave you plenty of time to think. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You also inspired a lot of thoughts and I'm, you know, I'm halfway through this beer. And so, you know, I think for your audience, Get involved in changing that image, which we talked about. Um, get involved in your local industry, um, whether it's a chamber of commerce or a manufacturing association or uh, whatever that coalition is, participate. Because that coalition can be the pipeline to all the hurdles uh, that you curse every day, 
right? Um, there is there is strength in numbers, and just participating in those coalitions. It's easy for me to say I'm I'm leading one of these coalitions, and so I'm just looking for more help. Um, but but even for those who are outside the state of Nebraska, I, I think that there's just so much uh, so much power and just so much genuine uh, good that you can do by just participating in in your local manufacturing coalition. Even bigger than that. Back to that workforce piece, Scott's right. It, it's engaging um, the diverse candidates that that we don't, you know, typically think of. You know, we like to say in our in the small circles that I'm of manufacturers that I'm running in now, it's it's that you know federal immigration reform has got to be a thing that leads to workforce, and it, it's you know it's not political necessarily. It's really a it's a thing that has to happen in a bipartisan fashion and, and manufacturers are really coming together, uh, a politically not affiliated with a party or, or in anything, because it's just, it's a thing that, that we need to kind of drop our fingers and, uh, at pointing at each other and really come together and solve. And, and I think that the critical mass is really starting to happen where you're going to see some of these, these big, scary, uh, buzzword issues, um, have to get resolved and and I think that again participating coming together reminding uh, those people who might might be mired in some of those uh, testy conversations that that we just need to get to a resolution that makes sense um, because it, it matters to to the United States uh, economy to get some of these things worked out I, I might have taken your question a little bit big there um, <laughs> I I kind of did that on purpose that's why to, we do that's why we do this over beers it's excusable that yeah okay, thank go. you yeah thank you um, <laughs> anyway I think that, that just getting involved is great I think changing the image is great but one of the things that I'm, I'm gonna be an open book here but one of the things because of the beer um, that we're doing in Nebraska is we're really as manufacturers engaging with the education community as much as we can. Uh, community colleges, university systems, you know, solving the workforce issue isn't hanging a sign outside that says now hiring. It's so much bigger than that. Um, and so it, that goes along with what Scott was saying of getting involved, that, that it's really engaging with every stakeholder that we can to solve these, these problems. And like running a business, we've also got a plan B. So we're going to go after the, we're going to swing at the workforce pitch as hard as we can. Um, and at the same time, we're going to swing at the industry 4.0 automation uh, technology aspect to solve Nebraska's productivity, you know, opportunity. Um, and we're going to, we're going to swing at even more pitches than that to continue recruiting people and business to our, to our local economy. Awesome perspectives, awesome advice. And, and my next question, you, you've, you've shared a lot of info that I think contributes to the answer for this, but there are people listening to this outside of the state of Nebraska, right? right? But the reality is a lot of states are facing the same, same issues right now. Maybe is there a way you'd kind of package this advice to say, hey, what can people learn from what you've done in Nebraska? Mike, I'll start with you on that one. Yeah, it's. I think there's so much strength in this Manufacturing Alliance coalition that was formed just be, you know before my time in the chamber. Um, I've got the privilege to lead that coalition, but um, it really is join that manufacturing association. It may or may not be linked to your state chamber of commerce, um, but it is, it can be the voice for manufacturers not only into your state legislature, but also to Congress, right? To, to, in D.C., we can, with those coalitions, have a stronger voice. Uh, if you're not participating in that right now, 
I, I would just, that would be my, my first step, uh, first piece of advice. So what has Nebraska done? It's created the Manufacturing Alliance Coalition. That coalition probably exists in your state uh, already, and I would just say get involved. If you're a manufacturing leader, you're probably having conversations over beers with other manufacturing leaders right now. Uh, you're probably griping about the same stuff that we're griping about, but I tell you what, I, I observed the legislative session this, this year in Nebraska, and when, when our lobby team goes over there and says, this is what the manufacturers are asking for in, in testimony for a bill, oh gosh, I tell you what, it matters. And so that's why we're really looking to raise the image and raise the voice of, manu- we're, you know, we're Nebraska, we're not just an ag state. Be involved in your local area and remind your state senators, your state politicians, your D.C. politicians, manufacturing is huge, it matters, and this is what we're saying. This is what we need help with. So that's my advice for what we've done. Yeah, and if you don't have a manufacturing group in your state, you need to, to you need to form one because what we've found is that, and this is common sense when you think about it, if you everyone is doing their own thing and trying to come at education or legislatures all on your own, you don't have a large voice. You're just another person. You're just another annoyance to them. But if you can come in together, that all changes. Yeah, we we have regional groups here in the state as well, and one of our regional groups. We've been working with some of the educational service units, how that's how they have things set up here in the state. And they flat out told us that they appreciated that we were coming to them as one group because then they didn't have to accommodate five or six different manufacturers with different tours or presentations. They could, we could just come in at one time, engage the students, and we actually had better quality uh, programs because of that. So I think... The, the key takeaway is you need to come together with other manufacturers, whether that's city, state, you know, regional, something like that. But there's strength in numbers, and the more that you can coordinate together, the more you're going to get done. Strength in numbers, forming those alliances, coalitions, great advice across the board. We're at the end of our interview, but I promised you, Mike, that we'd save some time. So <laughs> my, my last question is what do you look for? in the perfect beer, right? Or what do you look for in your beer when you're tasting? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the Budweiser Oh, my gosh. I'll try not to talk too much about this. Um, First of all, I think that there's... I get this question a lot, right? Like, what's your favorite beer? What's the best beer? There's so much image and pressure tied to a person's beer order, and that's just a big shame. So my, my advice to anyone who's looking to have or not have their next beer, it's to look inwardly and just have whatever it is that you want to have. There's just, there's just so much social pressure around what you're going to order as a beer. It, it carries an image. Uh, it says a lot about you, right? Um, so I, I have to say that. What am I looking for? Uh, I think in every decision in my life, including what beer I'm going to get, I look for balance. Uh, I, I think I might have coined this analogy a few years ago, but for a while, I, I love an IPA. I love a good IPA. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking a, an American light lager right now. But uh, for a while, IPAs became like hot wings. Like it was, you know, how hot can we make the hot wing? No one actually enjoys eating it. They just like bragging about yeah, how hot yeah. the hot wing was that they ate. And IPAs kind of got that way for a while. But, but then they, they peeled back and they just got to be these amazingly well-balanced, 
fruity, hoppy, citrusy, piney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on the now the sub style yes, of IPA is- that you're in, um, man, I, I just I love that. So, I think to answer your question with one word, it would be I'm looking for a balance. Uh, I'm drinking a beer right now that I know extremely well. Uh, it's <laughs> I've made more of this beer than I'll ever drink in my entire life. I've probably hand dumped more of this beer down the drain than I'll ever drink in my yeah. entire life. Um, and, and so when I, when I taste a beer that I know really well from my prior experience, uh, I look for all sorts of defects. And so sometimes sure. I have to get out of my own head and just like, no, 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 just enjoy the experience of having a beer with some friends and some good conversation, uh, and just relax. So, yeah. Well, I can say I have enjoyed the experience of having a beverage with both of you you today. So thank Thank you you for all the perspectives. And uh, with that, cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for being on Manufacturing Happy Hour. And thank thank you, you all for listening to our conversation. Hey, thanks for listening. And a big thanks to Mike and Scott for jumping on today's show. If you want to learn more about what Nebraska is doing, if you want to check out their Chamber of Commerce, if you want to do some research so you can figure out, hey, how do I create some manufacturing resurgence in my state, in my town? Well, hey, go to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 98. Once again, I also want to give a special thank you to CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors, for putting on such an amazing Manufacturing Nebraska's Future event. This was a lot of fun. Glad we got to wrap it up with a podcast. It was fun to speak. And actually, I should mention this. I I told you earlier in the intro that I did a keynote at this event. If you want me to do a keynote at one of your events, I talk about a lot of these lessons in story format that I've pulled from all these manufacturing happy hour interviews. You can think of it as, hey, 10 lessons from manufacturing leaders after 100 interviews on manufacturing happy hour. That's a long, drawn-out title there. But hey, if you'd like me to speak at your event, please don't hesitate to reach out. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And while you're there, make sure to request to join the Manufacturing Happy Hour industry community by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash community. There you can hang out with a lot of other like-minded manufacturing leaders. We'd love to have you there. And again, make sure to send me a note on LinkedIn if you want to join that group or book me for a speaking gig. And with that, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for showing up. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you again here next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.